Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Organizations everywhere are embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion principles to create workplaces that can attract and retain top talent. For forward-thinking talent leaders, an inclusive and equitable work culture that involves employee well-being is a critical part of the overall strategy. Why? Well, because when evaluating their career opportunities, candidates and employees are seeking more inclusive environments that are better aligned with their values. Hey, this is Bill Bannum. I'm your host of this episode of the HR Chat Show. And in this episode, we're going to consider the latest staffing trends driven both by employees and employers that prioritize diversity, equity and inclusion in the workplace. And my awesome guest today is Simon Dealey, CEO of Higher Technologies, a company helping brands attract top talent in cost effective ways with a focus on modernizing and digitalizing HR solutions. Simon is a senior executive with lots of achievements in operations, finance, strategic planning, M&A, business development, and company startups. Simon, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Oh, Bill, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much for, for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, let's let's get straight into it, shall we? Let's begin by, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you take a minute or two and tell our listeners all about yourself? Oh, absolutely. I'm always happy to talk about myself, I guess. But uh, so, yeah, I'm the CEO of High Technologies. And, uh, you know, as you may pick up from the accent, I'm originally from Australia. I currently reside in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm running a Canadian public company. So, definitely trying to cover as many of my international bases as possible. Uh, I've spent my entire career in professional services, uh, originally banking and finance, then I did, did some work over at legal in different uh, law firms. Uh, then when I moved to the US in 2000, I worked at KPMG where I got to work with some amazing Fortune 500 companies. And then from there, I uh, was actually one of the uh, co-owners and CEO of a global consultancy called um, Control Solutions International that we ran in 35 countries around the world. Uh, and then I took a bit of a break and for a couple of years did some independent consulting and then started with one of the co-founders of Higher Technologies. So yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. Excellent, thank you very much. So let's talk a little bit about Higher Technologies now then. Um, maybe you can you can share the mission and, uh, and uh, the values of the company. Yeah, so you know, Higher's mission is to is to build a world-class portfolio of brands. And we're gonna do that by leveraging technology and the objective of you know, shaping the future of human resources through synergies, scale, and reach. And so really what I think is important about this, like a, a key element of what we're, we're building here is to, you know, we're acquiring these companies, we maintain the, the brands that we acquire, so it's a multi-brand approach. And it's really enabling these entrepreneurs that have started these businesses, have been very, very successful at what they're doing and enabling them to take their, their, uh, their business to the next level. And so, you know, we'll, after acquisition, we'll take uh, out of their hands the minutiae of the back office. We have a centralized back office and they can sit there now and just focus on growing their businesses. They don't have to worry about doing finance and accounting, doing financial reports and running payroll and those sorts of things. Just grow their business 
and they're doing that within a collective of other leaders in the company. So they get to leverage the thought knowledge of, of the other uh, managing directors in the company. They can leverage the solutions that the other businesses have. So now they've been multi-solutioned plus the niche they have for their business, as well as, you know, leveraging the working capital that we can provide for them to, to grow their, to grow their brands. And, you know, we're getting to do all of this. You know, what's really exciting about this is it's a massive market. You know, it's a, a $500 billion global market. There's over 30,000 staffing firms in North America alone. And the largest global staffing firm has less than 7% market share. So, you know, highly fragmented, very large market, no large incumbent. It's really ripe for this sort of consolidation strategy that we are executing. And we are Canada's only uh, public company um, executing this, this uh, consolidation strategy in, you know, staffing, HR consulting and SaaS technology. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Now, Hires 2022 Human Resources Industry Outlook identified that employers are increasingly understanding the importance of DEI. Thank goodness about time. Prioritizing those values, especially at the senior management level, Simon, has been found to boost productivity, profitability and employee retention. Um, no massive surprises there, but it's about time that companies are embracing this. Can you can you give a bit of an overview of the report? Yeah, uh, thanks, Bill. I'd love to do that. You know, um, we we spend a lot of time in the company. You know, the ethos of, of the ethos of our business is um, leadership and bringing the leaders together so that we can really keep a, our finger on the pulse of what's happening out there uh, with human capital, with the HR industry in general. And this particular report was, you know, focusing on how uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has been transformative for for the business world, and you know that um, the influence that it's had on businesses and operations is likely to continue for the foreseeable future. And so many companies you now they're embracing this change. It includes sort of the hybrid workforce and things like that. But it's not just also compensation. It's you know investing in the development of employees, uh, it's their mental health, and also the benefits of a diversified workforce. So. In that report, we were showing sort of five key elements of what we're seeing uh, for the demand, the, the sort of skill set demand that's out there today. And it covers some predictable things, I guess. You know, it's artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, cloud computing, data science, uh, software engineering, and uh, sales and digital marketing. And, you know, diversity uh, is a key part of that decision making process when companies are recruiting for that skill set in because employers are increasingly understanding the importance of diversity, equality and inclusion, whether that's because of the ESG commitments that they have. Uh, you know, in Canada, there's the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to action. Uh, there's shareholder activism. All of these things are, are creating a much greater awareness as to, as to what you need to have for, for DEI. And diversity and inclusion, especially at the senior management level, has been found to boost productivity, profitability and stability within an organization. So, you know, when evaluating career opportunities, employees are seeking an inclusive environment. Companies must also assess the recruitment methods, how to uh, attract and retain senior level talent from those diverse backgrounds because of these advantages. Okay, thank you very much. Now, perhaps you can talk to me a bit about the, the additional complexities that DEI requires sorry, DI requirements add to the hiring process. Um, you know, so I guess pre 
2020, the last couple of years, particularly since uh, the, the murder of George Floyd, many companies were not investing heavily enough in many DEI, DEI practices. But that, that's changed. But with that comes lots of new complications, of course, lots of lots of new boxes that need to be checked and so on and so forth. Can you can you paint a bit of a picture of that? Uh, absolutely. So the yeah, you're absolutely right. There's been a, a lot of changes that have happened just in the hiring process itself because of you know again the pandemic you know that that this full remote workforce and you know having to interview people and, and not even getting to see them face to face and onboarding and companies embracing the the hybrid or the fully remote workforces all of those things has really changed on top of those elements you just mentioned about the DEI uh, requirements so you know to gain the benefits of you know different ideas and perspectives and experience at all levels within an organization companies are doing more not only by increasing the demand for that, that sort of the demand for talent uh, of more diverse backgrounds, but also the areas of diversity, including, you know, uh, gender, age and, and other characteristics. You know, we certainly have seen a shift with candidates also seeking more diverse environments because of that awareness. Right. So that they're, they're looking for ones better aligned with their values um, when they're evaluating their career opportunities. And given the high volume of job, job opportunities out there, it's, there's a it's a much more candidate centric market right now so they can be very selective about those organizations and what they're seeing in those organizations and this is a key part of it so you know candidates are taking more time when they're evaluating the company's values and and for work-life balance um, the additional complexity that DER requirements add to the hiring process has organizations calling upon external support such as you know we for example Hire has a diversity practice within our Leaders International brand to provide guidance and support to organisations on how to sort of navigate the uh, uh, the process of, of expanding to a more diversified workforce. So the complexities, uh, you know, they they include things like rethinking how job description, job postings, and job descriptions are written. So any bias is removed from that wording. Uh, diversify the recruitment sources. So tapping into a greater pool of more diversified candidates. And you know, this is being helped again by that hybrid and remote workforce model that many companies are adopting today, which has greatly improved access to a much wider range of candidates. And then also you know, thinking how interview questions or the interview process itself can be more inclusive. And so this goes you know, beyond uh, a candidate's past experience, which can be uh, reflective of culture and circumstance, but go deeper into the ability, uh, the potential and capacity of, of that candidate in front of you. Wonderful. You know, I, I could listen to your lovely Australian tones all day long. <laughs> I really could. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm, unfortunately, I'm this is only a 20 to 30 minute interview. Radio, my friend, you know how they, like you just said before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that, now maybe you can tell me, how is a a growing pool of gig workers you know again over the last couple of years another big change we've seen is is the growth of the gig economy of course how has right. that complicated things further so for example having to manage dispersed or autonomous freelancers and contractors yeah you know it's uh it's interesting because there's this whole the gig work the gig economy it feels like a new this new thing but you know it should really be recognized that the gig economy is not something new you know we've had people working on a project basis for, for forever you know it's it's really the combination of circumstances that were accelerated by the pandemic uh, the the current talent shortage across many industries and also 
uh, improved technology, you know, the communications technology and cloud systems and so on, that has really increased the awareness and ability for workers to be part of, of this group. So certainly the pan, you know, since the pandemic, um, companies have dramatically increased their use of contingent workers as they deal with resource scarcity, uh, rising labour costs, and the need to quickly adapt to market conditions. So I think there was a report uh, from Intuit last year that was stating, you know, 80% of large US corporations plan to increase the use of a flexible workforce. So certainly this is not something that's going to be going away anytime soon. And embracing gig workers does provide companies with several advantages. You know, first of all, uh, you know, talent acquisition is by far the most pressing issue for many CEOs today. Uh, given the scarcity of resources and the wide variety of roles that are available to those candidates. So, you know, companies are sort of seeing the benefits of a remote workforce, tapping into that gig workforce, because it allows the organisation to increase the talent pool or, or potential talent pool of where they're getting people from, provides opportunities for a more diverse workforce. Again, you know, going to regions outside of where the company is currently located um, and then gaining access to more markets, you know, taking on uh, candidates in different geographies, for example, also helps them penetrate other markets. Uh, there are financial benefits as well. You know, uh, more companies are able to recognise, you know, doing this, recognise the challenges um, to, to manage and handle the, the, the remote workforce. They get greater operational performance. There's greater organisational flexibility. And uh, HR alignment with the business objectives also increases. So, you know, these advantages are being directly correlated to increased productivity, uh, expense reductions, and, and profitability. But uh, with all of that greatness uh, sort of explained there, there are, some, uh, there are some downsides as well because it might expose uh, a company to competitive risk, for example, you know, loss of trade secrets, IP, uh, organizational knowledge. Um, you know, when contingent labor supports, say, business critical functions and engaging with customers, that those lines would start to blur. So companies um, need to be very careful about how they manage that that continued workforce and embracing it into the organisation, having good systems on how they they do that, and also be very careful not to misclassify, you know, temporary labour, uh, for example, because there are those regulatory issues that we've seen things come out into the press where companies have done this, and this, that can lead to to fines and, and other legal fees. So uh, these issues are actually a key reason why. Uh, higher technologies acquired its SaaS platform, Pulsify, because it addresses that need for high employee engagement while also driving alignment between the organization's uh, HR strategies and the workforce it serves. So a lot of advantages, but also, you know, you've got to balance that with some of those potential risks out there. Excellent. Thank you. Now, I'd love to get your perspective now as, you know, as, as a successful leader. Uh, with a with a lovely Australian accent, um, from, from a from an employer brand perspective, Simon, why is it more important than ever that companies can show clients, partners, investors, and their the community that they are following through on their DEI commitments? You may want to answer that question in general terms, or perhaps you may want to break that down and and talk to clients, partners, investors, and, and wider communities. Yeah, I mean, I think you know intuitively. Uh, Many company leaders understand that focusing on DEI is a socially responsible thing to do and it's good for the business and its employees in general. I think, again, just intuitively, you, you, you know that, that that must be able to help the business, having a greater, more diverse pool of, of people within the organisation. And so DEI helps 
a company, I believe it helps the company develop a positive employer brand that enables us, you know, to attract and retain top talent. You know, there was a, a, a LinkedIn survey that found organizations, I'm trying to think when it was, it was, I think it was last year that said, you know, a strong brand attracts something like 50% more quality applications. And the, the speed to which those applicants, you know, those open positions are filled is a lot, uh, a lot more rapid as well. And so look at the environment today, scarce resources, that's a huge benefit. Uh, other than just being socially responsible. Um, in addition, you know those those companies that that do embrace this have a lower turnover rate and a lower cost per hire. Again, the lower turnover rate does reduce that cost per hire. It also affects how you know your people feel about the the company. You want your employees to feel good about the business, their role within it. Um, also, for the those people that engage with you externally to the company, that they want to have that sense of this is a good business to deal with. They have good business ethics. They are being socially responsible. So DEI can help the company acquire and retain top talent as well as manage the, the image to, to those external people that may be investors or others uh, engaging with the uh, organisation. So you know, ultimately, people want to do business with companies that are socially responsible and treat employees, employees properly. Uh, when a company does focus on DEI, it, that exterior image and consumer brand being benefited by developing those stronger relationships with the, with the existing customers, the potential customers and, and other key stakeholders. Excellent, thank you. Now you spoke earlier about passing other recruitment technologies. I'd love to hear from you now. How is AI deciding who gets hired, Simon? And as part of your answer there, perhaps you can share your perspective on how we can avoid in, inherent biases within AI. I mean, you know, you and I, we read a lot about uh, the developers of different recruiting AI technologies and and, and their own uh, biases or or biases when AI is trying to read um, photos of people, for example. Talk right, to us a little right. bit about that. Yeah, I think you know at the beginning we were talking about sort of those trends that we're seeing, sort of the skill sets that that uh, companies are looking for, and you know we were topping that list with um, you know, expertise in artificial intelligence and machine learning because it's understood that it can rapidly improve you know, the efficiencies of business processes and take some of the more mundane tasks out of people's hands, allowing them to do sort of higher end sort of uh, knowledge and leadership activities. And so, you know, when you, when you think about what's happening today where companies in the past were maybe getting, you know, a handful of applicants for a single vacancy, they're now getting hundreds, maybe even thousands of applications. So, you know, this, this uh, software has has come in to automate that process of looking through all of these different candidates, and you know that that technology is being used to to screen the resumes. It, it, it's something where, as a candidate, you're going to have your resume screened by an AI uh, application, most likely, uh, potentially even a system that's going to have you playing games to help you analyze your personality, or making you go through several other automated systems all before you get to talk to somebody within the organization. And the application process is so automated today from the candidate's perspective that they're not having to, you know, back in the old days, right, get the newspaper out and, and print out a resume and send it into a company when there's a job opening in there. Now the candidates, you know, they can apply to a very large number of companies all at once. You know, leveraging again the internet and the technology and the platforms of the job boards, and so that is actually a large reason why a lot of organisations are getting inundated with resumes because it's so easy to to go through the application process. 
and it's why companies themselves are either using professional staffing firms or implementing and managing applicant tracking systems. And this is where the AI is sitting there. It's in these ATS systems, that process of looking through all the different candidates. It's receiving, the system's receiving these inputs from the developers to help train it in sort of what they are, sort of the, the, the top, middle and bottom performers are, sort of you know, getting to understand when it's looking at a, at a resume, should it, should it like it or dislike it? And then that becomes the baseline that the system is using to make its own automated judgments about whether someone is you know, good or bad for, for the role. And it's, it's actually why there are out there uh, educational services to help applicants optimize their resumes for the AI system. So it's, you know, you, you're developing, your, you're tweaking your, your, your resume so that the AI system itself is gonna get sort of catch on those keywords that help rise you to, to hire in the ranking system. So, you know, there are three ways I, I think it's important for, for companies to help mitigate the risk of AI's, I guess, unconscious bias during the, the recruitment process. Um, first part of that would be, would be candidate masking. You know, it's a, um, a process where uh, you're hiding the personal characteristics of a candidate from the hiring managers. So that's things like your age, ethnicity, uh, other factors that could trigger bias. And so this helps companies evaluate a candidate solely on you know, their merit and, and potential. Um, there's also, you know, the, the bit more time consuming, their, their manual process of reviewing the inputs, like taking a step back and looking at those inputs that the AI system is using as that baseline to make sure there are no biases in there. But uh, there are also companies coming out with, um, you know, I guess, developing automated bias detection algorithms that uh, help mimic the anti-bias process. And that's very important as well. And you'll see that's likely something that's going to a trend that will continue to leverage that type of uh, process through these uh, AI systems. And then obviously, I guess the most, the easiest way to do it would just reduce the reliance for companies, reduce the reliance on AI in the recruitment process. You know, adding back in that human element into the review so that you have that checks and balances in place. This is why I love my job, listeners, because I get to chat to clever people like Simon and learn. Uh, that's not bad. Eh? That's not bad at all. OK, listen, Simon, we are coming towards the end of this interview already, I'm afraid. Uh, before we do wrap up, two more questions for you, sir. Um, next one, maybe as a bit of a recap of what we've spoken about so far and then whatever else you want to add to it. In your opinion, how can HR step in and best use people analytics for data driven hiring decisions? Yeah, data is, again, something that uh, is very valuable to a lot of organizations. And a lot of things, a lot of this data is, is something that organizations are already tracking and, and keeping in-house. And, and leveraging that is actually something that can be really beneficial within the, uh, the human resources realm. So, you know, people analytics allows the HR manager to, to go beyond, you know, gut instinct and make decisions based on, you know, quantifiable hard data. So often the organization, like I was saying, they have much of the data needed for this analysis already. They have access to things like age, academic background, demographics, um, prior experience, training that, they, that the individuals have done. Uh, performance evaluation is very important, obviously. Uh, internal sort of combining to sort of the internal and external data, you know, merging that together to get like a very, a full picture of not just the individual, but again, this is holistic across the organization, all the employee base. Um, and, and there are 
you know, there's, there's cultural uh, differences as well, especially if you're a multinational company. You've got to take into that, that, that cultural aspect of it as well. So, you know, HR analytics combines all of this data um, with external to, to assist the HR managers make better decisions and addressing very specific problems within an organization that are very beneficial to help the company perform better, be a better company. And that's things like, you know, determining um, a team's you know, high turnover rate, understanding why that high turnover rate might be occurring, uh, who are, or I guess maybe I'd put it this way, the elite you know, people, the, the top end employees of the company, why, why are they leaving? Understanding why you've got the turnover at that very high level. Uh, how do you boost a team's performance? Um, find skill deficiencies across an organization. Where are there, where are there gaps in skill set and, and areas where there needs to be improvements on the skill set? Um, how to predict who the best candidates for a position are. So that's sort of linking back to that AI conversation we had, had earlier, but you know, identifying who, who the best candidates are internally for the promotion process as well. That's really important. Once they're in an organization, that career path through a company, um, what, what is the, is there a performance rating system that a company has? How accurate is that performance rating system? And obviously, as I thought we've been talking a lot through, through the podcast today, um, sort of finding and building a more diversified workforce. So, you know, HR analytics supports uh, reactive, proactive, strategic and predictive uh, decision making within an organization. Wonderful. And just finally for today, Simon, um, and I do feel like I'm going to get you on again because I've enjoyed this. Um, but just for today, finally, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address. Maybe you're all over TikTok and other cool places. And also, of course, <laughs> how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Higher Technologies? Not not so much a TikTok uh, uh, push for, for Higher Technologies myself. I don't think you want to see that. <laughs> But definitely, uh, you know, go to our website. All the contact details are there. Our ticker symbol uh, for both the, uh, the the TSXV and OTC is there. Uh, HIRE is our, our ticker for the Venture Exchange. And the website is uh, higher, H-I-R-E, dot company. So not dot com, but dot company. So higher dot company is where you can get all the details on us. That's a way cooler URL. Definitely stick with that. I love it. Okay, so that just leaves me to say for today, Simon, you absolute gentleman. I've had a lot of fun chatting with you today. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Oh, lovely. Uh, so much, Bill. I really enjoyed chatting with you as well, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on here with you. As always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.